0: Drive by Cinema Three nachos
1: and a foaming thermos of fun Hello and welcome, it is episode 43 of Drive by Cinema 43, wow, amazing, I can't believe it, we've got past the meaning of life The ongoing lockdown podcast We're still in lockdown, technically, until a couple of weeks maybe well, we review movies so you don't have to watch them. And who are we? Well, you are Paul. I am.
0: And I am Rick. I can confirm that information is correct uh, as of today. That's a relief. Well, it's also an existential question, like, who are we? But, but I mean, you took a practical and uh, and uh, literalist stance there. I'm glad you
1: did, Richard, because... Did I say it was episode 44 or 43? No, you said 43, and you're probably wrong about that. I am. 43 was last week's Clips and Outtakes episode number two. We are already way beyond the meaning of life. We are somewhat, yes. Did you like the Clips and Outtakes episode? You haven't listened to it, have you? No. I haven't actually listened to it, no. No. Can I I just,
0: uh, you know, I just inquire, you know. When we say, okay, recording over, and then we continue recording, I mean... do you feel there's, there's some artificial boundary there or, or not, Richard? Where you perhaps after that moment you shouldn't include things in, in clips, clip clip shows, or not? Or do you there's not? There's no feel... such thing ah. as off the record, is there? That's the thing. I see. So you have no moral compunction about what you've just done, and I'm going to listen to you tonight. Okay. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> I just want to say that the funny bit that everyone's been oh. commenting <laughs> on <laughs> okay. is the bit where. We fart. You, well, you admit that you are eating a crisp sandwich. And I ask you whether it's white or wholemeal. And you say, yeah, actually, it's on a baguette. <laughs> <laughs> so what noisy food have you got to eat tonight, Paul?
0: I have a pint of thereabouts, after I've added ice, of Adnams Ghost Ship Low Alcohol Beer. You've added ice
1: to it? Mm. Is that and, because you had-
0: and a touch of Robinson's Lemon and
1: Lime Squash. Good grief. I'd like to apologise to real ale <laughs> members <laughs> in the audience who <laughs> have just had a heart attack. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with. You. I mean, you can you can adulterate or doctor your beverages how you like. No one should. Well, I mean, you for that. it's
0: it's essentially no or low alcohol beer. It it tastes, as I've said before, rather like the used bath water <laughs> that comes from washing dirty rusty keys.
1: Now then, I think low or no alcohol beer. Taste improved. No, it, from, this does taste rather nice, actually. From the calibre we used to drink in the Nineties.
0: 1990s. Yes, do you remember? Was it Carlsberg, I think, did one in the 1990s? It was particularly awful. It just tasted like
1: cork matting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> With a bit of Horlicks thrown in, I think, also. It
1: was much, it, it, It's much better now. Much better now. This there tastes of beer. Of, uh, this tastes of Yeah, plenty, plenty of ones that I would happily drink. But I'm not. I'm drinking Dandelion and Burdock. So for the first time the other week, I tried Gordon's Zero, which was a trek. A trek,
0: because uh, my nearest supermarket now is Booths. Booths, you know, I mean, they've got this thing where they do local and multinational supply. Except for chocolate, which is all multinational. And Cadbury's themselves are saying, hey, during lockdown, don't buy us. Buy local. But not boots. But the rest of their products are ferociously local, you know with 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 your staple stuff too. It's not like you' not you'll not miss any any Kellogs or Hines there. You can get it all if you want to. But then we come to the gin and they have every single gin conceivable in the universe, including things that I normally rackle about, you know blackberry flavored gin. I mean, if you want blackberry flavored gin, buy some gin and add some cassis or add some blackberry cordial to it. But anyway, I mean, there's nothing in the fermenting process that makes blackberries taste better. (laughs) You just add the blackberry flavor afterwards. Anyway, but beyond that, so there's literally about 400 or 500 different gins, but there is no Gordons. There's not one bottle of Gordons. And I was fathomed, you know, by this arbitrary snobbery snobbery because, I mean, they've got the Kelloggs and the Heinz in every other range and, uh, you know, they've got the Jack Daniels and Johnny Walker in their whiskey but Gordon's is is curiously absent from their gin selection. So So I had to trek elsewhere to find my Gordon's Zero.
1: To listeners who are not subscribers to Lancashire Life, (laughs) Booth's is a special kind of supermarket for people who consider themselves too posh for waitrose. (laughs) No, there are just no waitroses here, are there? No, they've been muscled out by Booth's, haven't they? Aggressive. Invasive local species. The booths. I go to Sainsbury's. That's my local. The truth of the matter is, I just go to the supermarket that's closest to me. So uh, Sainsbury shoppers, I mean,
0: I'm not saying you're one of them, but they're an interesting breed. Sainsbury's is right next door to me, but I don't go there because, uh, for some reason, they... (laughs) It's not good enough. No, 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 no. no. This is the point about Sainsbury shoppers, but the roast beef. Every time I go there, it's like, they, they they put the cardboard, you know, it comes in packs of twenty four in a cardboard like little tray that you pull off the top, yeah. So it's accessible, <laughs> and they slot it in, but it doesn't really slot in. So the first six packs are kind of out of the freezer. So I went there, inspected gadget with my little temperature probe, <laughs> and you have to look at, you know, if you have to like, cover it because you get arrested for doing this, I'm pretty sure. And I stuck it, in, you know, I stuck the temperature probe in the in the chiller, and it was right, you know, two point two degrees or whatever. Then I put it where. The roast beef was sticking out, and it was like 7.5
1: degrees. And I thought, well, I'm not sure. That's still fridge temperature. No, it's not. It needs to be under four. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was under ten for fridges, though. No, 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 no. Under four. Okay.
0: So, so there you go. So that's why I don't go to
1: Sainsbury's anymore. I'll tell you something about my local Sainsbury's, is all the trolleys require a pound coin.
0: That's the other thing, yeah. It's it's pound coin based, the, the trolley system, yeah.
1: That's because it's in Salford, right? And I thought this was universal, but you know, lots of places in the country don't know what you're talking about when you talk about unlocking your trolley with a pound coin.
0: Really? It says we still do it here. And the other thing is, you know how much trolleys cost? I was looking uh, online at the price of brand new shopping trolleys. To buy your own? Yeah, i just think how much they cost. £140. Oh, right, it's cheaper than I thought. But still, when you nick a few of those, and you, you know, I mean, you can see why they, why they lock them up.
1: I would have thought they're quite difficult to fence off, aren't they? I mean where, who would you sell them to if you stole them?
0: The Neptunian race that live underneath the canal. <laughs> seemingly. And if you're high yeah. on if you're high on bubble and squeak, I guess it's possible to have that conversation.
1: They're surely the only people who are all stocked up on supermarket trolleys, they must get getting delivered all the time. <laughs> That and those free rent, rental bike, not free, those rental bike schemes as well. Well, they've ended now, haven't they? Unceremoniously. Well, yeah, everyone was chucking them in the canal, basically continuously.
0: Well, in China, now,
1: in China, they, they all went bust within about the same month, you know. Oh, I thought they were going great, Guns
0: in China. Almost like the Dutch, you know, tulip bubble. It was incredible. They first appeared about 2015. I took photos of the first people who were the, the, the guys that got big anyway, Mobike, the orange guys. Mm. Uh, I think they were orange in the UK also. I was like, wow, exciting. Rental bikes, you know. There'd been a few rental schemes, I think in Hangzhou, that was quite big for outside of China, but in China, scales was quite small, only about 300,000 bikes. And then MOBA appeared in all the major cities in 2015. And I took photos because I was quite excited by this, but I couldn't ride them because they were too small. Anyway, so... and, And then, like, all these competitors appear at the same time. By about 2016, and then suddenly... Everybody was – all the investors were hugely excited about this opportunity to make money because the sign-up cost was like, you know, $15, $20, and it was, you know, 50 cents a ride. And, wow, the demographics were great, and people were using them four times a day, blah, 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 blah. And I think that if about 2018, for about six months, literally every main street, you simply – could not move on the on the pavement <laughs> it literally was three bikes deep in parked bikes of various colors and sometimes it's kind of like a rainbow effect cuz cuz you know the the app would indicate where movement was in the morning and in the evening and they have to come to these huge lorries to move them back mm. to the to the yeah. uh, to the crunch to the crunch uh, crunch zones or, you know, the, the bottleneck zones or whatever you want to call it, to, to the throttle zones or the choke zones. And so they'd start them all in their in the, in the team colours kind of thing. And then about two months later, it was just ridiculous. The road, the pavement, the parks were just full. It, like, the whole city was full of these things. The amount of speculative money that had gone into them was just ridiculous. Billions and billions and billions had gone into making these bloody things. I think Flying Pigeon, the the traditional Chinese bike, make Rani-style bikes before they started making these uh, rental bikes, they were just laughing all the way to the bank, you know, uh, like a very traditional sort of uh, iron rice bowl company. And then literally about two months after this unsustainable growth, they all went bust, you know, by the end of 2018. And they were just cleared off the streets and dumped in these huge kind of dumping zones. So, yeah. But now, like, if you've got friends in China who are a bit hard up, you know, they're doing menial work or whatever, they'll often have three or four or five or six of these <laughs> things at home because it just became unmanageable to, to follow, you know. Once you rip off the, the sensor, you know, you can just nick them, yeah. basically. And when the companies went bust, of course, they stopped monitoring where their bikes were. So people helped themselves to quite a few of them, I think. But, yeah.
1: And you couldn't use them because they were too small?
0: They are just you know, the seat goes up up and down about two inches, I think, you know. But they're essentially the size of a BMX.
1: I use them. I uh, I use them here in Manchester when Mobike was here briefly. You use the Mobike here? Yeah? yeah, quite a light bike
0: compared to the Boris bike here. Yeah? Still very heavy though. But well designed, you know. The front, the uh, front little basket that holds nothing, for example, anything. Anything, uh, anything that's narrower than a large brick can happily <laughs> fall through the the rather spacious grating. You know. A wonderful design there.
1: Yes. How do we get onto Mobikes? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Maybe it's time we got it onto this week's film. Mm. At long last.
0: Yes. Oh, before we do that, any corrections or fingers from before? Or have we ceased caring? Uh,
1: loyal listener Pete, apart from admiring your... Sandwich choice. Yeah. He was also mentioning how similar the description of the film Pontypool was to another podcast called Welcome to Night Vale, which is a very kind of, I don't know how to describe it, it kind of laid back ASMR-y type wow. horror sort of.
0: Welcome to Night Vale.
1: Yeah. Like Lovecraftian style horror told in a very deadpan way. It's like stories as if it was the local radio station telling you about these really weird events, but treating it matter of sort of matter of factly. Wow! It's a very diffi- difficult experience to describe. But Pete is quite right that Pontypool and Welcome to Nightvale, they plough the same furrow very much. Wow! Same kind of turf.
0: Was Pete the guy that? Hello, Pete. By the way, that took objection to your uh, amoral stance on passengers. Yes. Yeah, I was a bit. I was a bit scrappy, happy do with him. I, I told him I, no, but because in, in contemplation, I, I think Pete's right. Actually, yeah, that bloke shouldn't have woken nobody up.
1: So you're rounding on me
0: with Pete. I am finally against yes. me. Yeah, yeah. How does that feel to
1: be marginalised, Richard? I yeah. never said it was right. I just said. It might be the best option. You know, understandable, yeah. It's the choice you come to. Okay. I'll let you off that briefly. Right, okay, so on to
0: today's movie, (laughs) or this week's movie.
1: I have it on good authority that, owing to a misunderstanding, you have watched the children's film The Baby Duck. No, I watched the Papa Domaduke. <laughs> Papa Papa Domaduke.
0: This was the Babaduke. The Babaduke, yeah, not Baby Duck or Baby Shark. 2014.
1: Why have you put that sound in my head?
0: <laughs> it's quickly becoming the most popular YouTube video ever, isn't it?
1: Baby Shark? Yeah. Well I said I sent you, didn't I, a I, I said to you that at the start of Lockdown, the most amazing and popular song was the library takeout video song yes and now it is a song inspired by a cat called true A Lugalag cat true
0: but i think you discounted the tiktok
1: what cause, tiktok
0: because on tiktok there's there's lots of japanese people composing piano pieces to cats meowing it's been going on for months and months now richard Oh right.
1: So you're saying that this albeit very popular. It's just Andrew a tiny snippets
0: of a whole world of, of TikTok.
1: Did you not enjoy it? The I musicianship did. of the multiple instruments contributing to the piece?
0: Yes, it was it was better than what than the piano recital versions that I usually watch of
1: this kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. it's that's because yeah. you're watching TikTok now. I know. If you'd Welcome to YouTube, Punk
0: Rock, Richard. <laughs> Ain't been to no video school. If there is a, vi- is there a video school? What do you call video schools for those people that have been there? Oh Film School. Film school. Ain't been to no film school. That's beside the point. So Baba Duke, two thousand fourteen,
1: directed by oh, you do know all about it.
0: Directed that- by Jennifer Je- Can I just do our spiel, thank you. Directed by Jennifer Kurt Kitts? I don't know, I can't read my writing. There we yeah. go. Twist. She's uh, it's based on a movie she'd already made, so. Is it? Yeah. Did she written? She's a scriptwriter and the director for both. Ah. It's based on the movie called Monster by Jennifer Did I write that word? Kurt Kurt? Oh Kurt.
1: Jennifer Crit? Jennifer Kent.
0: Kent! Jennifer Kent, thank you.
1: Oh, phew. The music is by Jed Kurzel. So maybe that's your confusion. Did you think his music was particularly good? No. Let me sell the whole thing up front. I didn't think a great deal about this movie.
0: Oh. Ah. Uh. Ah. Oh. Okay. Did you? To begin with yes, in the middle no, towards the end, to use my frequent phrase, I was literally biting my own knuckles off with boredom.
1: <laughs> because, interestingly, we've already got to listener to feedback for this film. Like, in advance of us actually watching it.
0: I thought it started off really well, this movie.
1: Well, how does it start off?
0: Well, like a Tour de France downhill section. (laughs) It starts off (laughs) mid-flashback,
1: where the lead character, who is, as we... eventually is a mother, but at the time she wasn't, or was about to be, or something. Anyway, this has already got too complicated, hasn't it? She is mid-flashback, in a road traffic accident. Yes, she is.
0: Thank you for reminding me of that.
1: She's in the midst of a road traffic accident, which we know, or soon learn, her husband. is going to kill her husband. Bloody hell. And I think it's revealed oh, later it's on that. a shame, isn't it? Oh, she d-
0: was lives taken. Oh, d- d- sorry, go on, continue. I'm
1: just Well, reflecting. she was pregnant with her son, wasn't she? During In the hospital. road accident. He was taking her to the hospital at speed when the accident occurred.
0: So, we're thinking, what, the car just crumpled on one side? That's never really explained. It's a, bit, it? it's a bit silly, isn't it? You know, I'm carrying some very, very fragile, like, like you know, let's call it a half a dozen eggs. Just cupping them in my lap here. <laughs> you are a grown man. Uh, the eggs are fine. They haven't, they haven't smashed and, and you're dead. Right, okay. It Maybe- can happen. He wasn't I mean, wearing a seatbelt, was he?
1: Yeah, or an object could have come through the windscreen right into him, into his face or something. I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, we don't really see very much. It's not a very graphic representation of the accident, is it? It's all done in sort of slow motion and cubed glass particles and and lighting and stuff, isn't it? So, mm. I guess it's not particularly high budget film as well, so it can't really display the uh, the incident. But it's an Australian film, and I think most of the cast and the director herself are are women, aren't they? It's it's got a little bit of the feel of Benny Loves Killing in that it seems to be a very female centred film.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Um, there's a couple of male protagonists. She's, she works at a care home uh, with. I mean, it was somebody else who worked at a care home for the elderly, and um, he said something like, "Oh, do the dishes," but he's only joking. He was saying, "Yeah,
1: oh yeah, that's right." He was it's a bit of Australian humour. It's ironic,
0: but apart from that, there aren't many. There's a male guy who comes to do the, like the 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 intimidating social worker role, you know. Yes, there's three of them. Yeah, to make it very Kafkaesque, and they're all sort of decked out in quite black. Makeup and clothing, you would see Three you know? of them.
1: I thought there were two,
0: two or three. I can't remember. But they come with their clipboards and and, and their stares and their and their disapproval. So yeah, but the son is called Samuel, and the widow, his her his mother is called Amelia. Is that right? I can't remember. I'll go with that. Yep.
1: Amelia yeah, Amelia Vanek, I think.
0: Yes, and so we joined them as several several years later, six years later, six years later, when you know when it's six years later and she's living a life on her own presumably single in the mom's. house a rather large and splendiferous house that was left after her husband died uh, and she's working a single mom kind of job and looking after the kid not too well not too accomplished with not too much accomplishment and she has oh. a weird elderly next door neighbour who's kind of a bit who's, who's kind of a bit intrusive and uh, attempts to she's, sort of she's really nice
1: a next door neighbour oh I didn't get that oh you're having trouble with your neighbours at the moment. Is that why? Are you projecting?
0: <laughs> Possibly. I'm projecting <laughs> some level of snoopiness onto her. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the situation, and and they live in New Zealand or Australia. I don't know. Australia. So kind of it feels more like it feels more like New Zealand somehow to me. But there we go. And it took ten million at the box office, though. Why I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, for a budget of two million, that's pretty good going, Paul. The kid. He's supposed to be a sort of troubled kid. He is. He's portrayed as a troubled kid, or, or they try to give the impression he's a troubled kid. Well, we get it's all not... the
0: trouble kid tropes, don't we? Drawn something strange at school today. Upset <laughs> your classmates today. Lot of temper at school today, kind of.
1: Thing. to the Doctor that... doesn't know what's wrong with him. He's not that much trouble, is he? In common with one of the other films we watched, I can't remember which one it was, where there was supposed to be a troubled kid. These kids are not... They're just mildly annoying. No, they're not carry level of
0: disturbing, are they?
1: Well, you know, I know people... Well, Jacob, the podcast annoying. Guest Yeah, Jacob, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> he's worked, sort of... Uh, he's volunteered with social care kind of young people, hasn't he? And I've got family who work in um, special educational needs schools. Ah, and you know the kids. I real didn't know kids. that, Richard.
0: Real they're, troubled There are genetic oh. versions of you, close versions of you that, that are sympathetic and and kind. Wow, it's amazing though all things wise and wonderful. What a what a, what, a, what a wonderful thing to contemplate. A kinder <laughs> version of Richard. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Sorry, go on. You were saying.
1: What I was saying is those are real troubled kids. They've seen real bad stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I and did they're... work... Oh, go on. Well, I was going to say that. Well, you're going to tell me you know more about it than I do.
0: Well, you were saying Cause... these kids are weird and, and, and obviously disturbed and, and quite disruptive. Very and disturbed, are. yeah. Because I, I, I did volunteer when I, was, when I was doing my bronze medallion, Lifesavers Award. It was done at the special school in Blackburn. And so, you know, we meet some of the kids. Essentially, actually Borstal, I think it was, because they had a swimming pool there. Uh, and and we used to go there for our canoe lessons too, because I was involved in water sports as a kid. So, not those kind of water sports, but, and so, so we used to go there quite often, I got to know some of the kids, and they were kind of like, they would come in as we were going out kind of thing. And anyway, the guy that's doing the Bronze Battalion was father of one of my friends, and he got us to volunteer to work with the kids up there. So we actually did water sessions with them. And it's immediately obvious that they're, they're they're just different. They're wired differently. For whatever reason, usually experience like their life experiences to to other people. You know, it's like it's really hard to explain, but it's just it's glaringly obvious that they're not any kind of balanced at all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
1: Is it that you feel you can't connect with them or reason with them, or it's
0: it, it's it's that when. Things start going awry with one of them. There's just no way of pulling them back. It's that kind of feeling, you know. Yeah. If if they're in a canoe in a swimming pool and one of them turns the other person's canoe over and doesn't let them get out, you know that unless you jump in the water, one of them is probably going to be drowning. Kind of thing, you know. It's that kind of thing, you know. And then when the other person, when you jump in and and they don't drown, then that person will start taking the Canoe paddle and hitting the other one on the head continuously <laughs> until you know until something really horrible happens. It's like I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just obvious that they deal with frustrations and other people in in a completely different way. To, you know,
1: and not on. their fault, no doubt. So yeah, but, so this kid is this this kid is not disturbed in that way. I mean, no, he, in no way. I mean, he he likes magic. He does magic tricks, doesn't he? It's a bit yeah. annoying, but that's it. And he plays
0: cricket against the wall to himself with, with an audience, yeah? Like we all used Everyone to. Everyone do. does that. I used you know. to do that. Yeah. He, you Not know, you cricket commentate, commentate on your own cricket game. And uh, he manages to hurt his cousin when she's being a silly cow up a treehouse or something. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Is it his cousin? No, it's his friend. Yeah. No, it's his mum's oh. sister's oh, right. daughter, I think. Oh, but I'm okay. I'm not sure. It's not exactly his fault. But like, does he push her and she falls off the treehouse? I can't remember.
1: But still, I guess this counts as disturbed if you're middle class, right? <laughs> yes, but she's not, is she? I mean, she's she's who? She's like she. Sam. The the mother Boy. No, she's just very tired and overworked, and you know, like any single mother would be probably. Hmm. Not enjoying her job and not enjoying motherhood and. Uh, but there's also there's a slightly weird thing that you, uh, you sometimes get in these portrayals where the husband has died, where there's a frisson of sexual energy between the mother and the son, isn't there? Did you sense that in this film, or am I projecting?
0: <laughs> well, I think next week we, we, there's a potential that we might watch a movie where there's lots of boys in underpants. But no, I, I didn't get any boys in underpants in front of their mothers here. At all,
1: I she's very—I don't know—affectionate towards him, though, isn't she?
0: Yes, but I think I—I I, yeah, I get what you're saying. There, there's a lot of misdirected affection, but it's I like don't. Transference, isn't it? it transference of affection for her husband, but I think it's—you know—it's—it's it's the platonic or you know the the friendship side of affection for a husband that she's transferring. Nothing, nothing else.
1: Yeah, I think no. You, yeah, it is platonic. You're right because, but you know, obviously she was living her life with her partner, and he's no longer there. And apart so she from her friend at work, a little, that's a the little, only, that's her yeah. only person,
0: isn't it? So she substituted a little soft, soft rag doll instead for her husband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, platonic isn't the word, is it, for that kind of for that kind of love that she's transferring, that she's forcing onto the child. Well, the Greeks have
1: is. N different words for love, yes. don't they?
0: None of which we know. Maybe, maybe a listener could tell us what kind of love it is. But I, I, there's no suggestion that it's it's romantic or sexual. But you're right, yeah. There is there is an uncomfortable amount of a sort of cloying attention that she either does or doesn't give the child, depending on how it's behaving. Because
1: so. he always seems to wind up anyway. Does, does he come into a bed to sleep and stuff? Keeps her up at night by keep coming into a bed, doesn't she?
0: Yeah. But that's because of the Babadook. Who we'll get onto in a second, I think.
1: The other thing is, th- her relationship with her son must be complicated by the fact that, in a way, she probably blames him for her husband's death. You know, they were rushing to hospital to have that kid. Yeah, it's, he survived. It's a kid's His fault husband a died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that does come across. I mean, that's quite a clever expression. But this is a, this film seems to be very much around motherhood. I think that's why it's so female centred, or, or maybe, maybe I'm just assuming that. But it does seem very preoccupied with that idea of her position as a mother and a single mother in this case. Did you you not get that? Not really. But I, yeah. I, I,
0: okay. I, now you pointed out, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. It maybe it's focused on on women's issues, kind of thing.
1: One night to try and calm her son down. She reads from a pop-up storybook. Which yeah. where did it come from? Did it just appear somewhere? It
0: did mysteriously. The kid plucked it out. He said, "Let's read this one." And yeah, the mom was like, "I haven't seen that before." She didn't say anything about it, but it was obvious with the camera. Camera, it was. It was a book she didn't recognise, and they read it anyway.
1: And it was called The Babadook. Mister Babadook. Mister right. Babadook. Yeah. Which and it's one of those it. children's stories that's on the darker side. Yes. Like a lot of Roald Dahl stuff, it's
0: cool. yeah, and the same typeface you often see with the titles of Roald Dahl, sort of Dahl books, you know, written in a kind of squiggly gothic font, with uh, ink, uh, you know, ink ink splotches here and there and everywhere,
1: like and a Tim Burton,
0: yes, like a Tim Burton, and kind of uh, strange elongated wiry hands on the on the, uh, the illustrations of the people in the story, and a top wearing- hat. I was going to say I'm wearing top hats too. So you get the idea. And silhouettes, lots of silhouettes instead of actually colouring it in properly.
1: <laughs> now, obviously this terrifies Sam, who becomes obsessed with Mr Babadook and insists that he's real. Mm. And Sam's building like little weapons to defend himself, isn't he? Well, sophisticated weapons, actually. I he's got that backpack It's like a catapult that fires a cricket ball. I mean, it would be easier just to blob the cricket ball, surely. Oh, just carry a knife, you'd think, but. Does he not carry a knife? Does he take one to school, or am I imagining that? Ah, yes, I think he does, yeah. yeah. Or a crossbow, I can't. He made something, anyway. It fires darts, didn't it? I think he wound up getting something that fires a dart.
0: The book is so scary, it's almost like Mr. Babadook jumps out of the page into real life. Oh, but wait! Guess what starts happening in the story, Richard? What? In the film we're watching. What? Mr. Bababoo, Mr. Babaduke, seemingly jumps out of the book and starts inhabiting their life. Wow. See, this is the thing about this. Well, that's <laughs> the point that I sighed, really. I was like, oh, God, is this what we're in, in, in store for <laughs> for the
1: next hour? You know? Hmm. Are you saying it's a bit of a hackneyed trope? By the oh, chance? come off it. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I think you may be right. I must say, I wasn't terribly scared by this film. <laughs> She's a- were you were you intrigued by it? No, not particularly. You know. No,
0: no. I mean, we did watch something that had similar ideas, which was with Ethan Hawke, possibly the scariest movie ever made, where you know, yeah, the the villain jumps out of the celluloid into into real life. But that was much more convincing, wasn't it? Because they were they kind of constructed a mechanism whereby and how and why it all happened. Whereas here we just got a random baddie jumping out of a book and inhabiting their lives until he's satisfied by whatever conditions he puts before them.
1: Yeah, no, you're quite right. I think, and the comparison with Sinister is apt, because I think they're from a similar period are they? where right. several of these horror movies are coming out and they're all compared to one another. The Babadook is certainly up there and a lot of people like it. Wow. But uh, I, th- I think Sinister is better. I agree with you on that score. There was an interesting thing about this film I thought it was doing, which again is a a bit of a horror trope. Obviously, I'm not very comfortable with the idea of a supernatural entity. That doesn't fit well with my worldview, and I don't Mm -hmm. much enjoy it in the films. But there was a whole section of the film at the start, and most of the way through it, where it was all excusable and plausible that this was the the woman kind of going crazy. Yeah, like you were saying, you know,
0: Kind of an artistic license reinterpreting postnatal depression, not over several months, but, you know, several years, because then you mm. can have an intelligent behaving child rather than just a baby. I think, yeah, you know, if you're looking in those kind of stretched terms, it would make sense if it was the workings of her mind or the workings of the kid's mind. Definitely.
1: And that all worked right up until a point near the end of the movie, actually, where they're creeping around the house at night being scared by things when the kid gets like dragged bodily up the stairs. And at that point, really, the whole, is this in her mind? That ship sails away, doesn't it? That ship ship was never in the harbour
0: for me. I think at the point where the book starts getting left on the porch and reappears and then she burns the book. And then it comes back again, you know. It's fairly clear we're we're into elements of supernaturality that don't require a lot of money to 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 film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but she could have been imagining all of that. She? Could, but I, it it was never really posited to us in that kind of way, was it? So for me, my best guess was it wasn't heading down. That is, is she thinking this or is she? It, is, is this happening Is she experiencing this for real kind of stuff is it supernatural i don't it was it was never a question was it for well at least not for me it was more like when are we going to find out how bad the baddie is essentially i thought that was that was the hook on which the the film operated was okay so we know there's a baddie under the bed you know in the cupboard uh but how bad's a baddie going to be before he goes away and how they're going to defeat it
1: you know there's that bit where she finds... She moves the fridge. She finds, like, a tear in the wall. Ah, and the cockroaches, cockroach yeah. Coming.
0: Which is reminiscent of another movie we saw.
1: Which one? The one with holes in the wall. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. What I'll come that back movie? to that. His house. His, his house. house, yeah. It's just before the I social like worker's that bit. arrived.
0: Yeah, I like that bit, because that was kind of uh, a little bit surreal,
1: you know. And Well, this is I, it. I, it all felt very surreal. Like, she finds yeah. that thing... The social workers arrive, and they're like Agent Smith from The Matrix. They're all like, there's a man and a woman in a suit. They're very prim, and there's a very mannered way they've got of yes. acting.
0: They're almost out of like that famous painting, American Gothic, aren't they? You know, like with their little sort of uh, yeah, little suits. You know,
1: it's very Brazil esque that whole thing, isn't it? They turn yes. up, and she's kind of mortified that they're going to see that there's a kitchen full of cockroaches. <laughs> and that they're going to take her kid away. I I mean why the social workers have turned up? I mean what has he done so far? He's had an accident with his cousin and she fell out of a tree, you know. Oh. Arm.
0: You see He's I fired think a dart. I think at this point you might be right. At that point in the movie which I think is about an hour in, I think you might be right because the whole mysteriously disappears. So, I think it's on that seesaw. Did it supernaturally supernatural disappear or is she just imagining it? Yeah. I can exactly. see, yeah. yeah, but I, I, I never yeah, as soon really went down. As they go in down... the
1: kitchen, they look at the fridge, it's, the hole is gone. I never so really went down that,
0: that narrative. That Well, no, as it turns out, there's a, real, there's a real monster in the end, isn't there?
1: Apparently, yeah.
0: Yeah. Who can make you see cockroaches. But I never really went down the,
1: is it real or is it not, pathway. But the other thing that happens through the movie is there's a sort of symbol of Mr. Babadook, which keeps recurring. Which is, she'll see like a coat hung up with a hat on top. Yes, and you know, like the arm will be up at an odd angle, as if it's you know, and she'll see it of the corner of her eye, and you, I guess, she thinks it's a man or person. And the nice thing about that is it it's evocative of that thing you get in the half light, when you're feeling a bit spooked by something, and you think, is that someone sitting there, you know, and you you, know, you have to turn the lights on and see. You know what I'm talking about, or am I all alone I in my madness? I, I do know what
0: you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same principle that let, lets us see our name jump out of a newspaper as we're walking past.
1: It's a kind of paradox. News agent. Yeah, where you can see faces and things. Yes, but that happens a couple of times, doesn't it? She sees a coat and a hat.
0: It's because we don't we don't see, do we? We we project we Top project templates. Processing. Yeah, we project templates out into the world. To yeah. collide with our perceptions, and that's where senses come from—the collision of our filtering matrices and the perceptions that, that, that are filtered by them. And so, with a lack of meaningful input, you're going to get the matrix. You're going to see the matrix, aren't you, kind of thing? Well, I do. I don't know about you. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not usually at <laughs> twilight, though. You know, usually when I'm very tired is when I yes. get this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. The thing about this movie is, of course, there's a twist at the end. Is they're not. There is, but I've forgotten what it is. You, you fell asleep, didn't you? <laughs> no,
0: no. I only press the fast forward 10 seconds occasionally.
1: <laughs> well, the twist is... Towards the end. Here's the twist, and let me know as soon as recognition fires. Go on. Turns out that this monster, this Mr Babadook, is really... Is really... Her, sort of the ghost or something of her dead husband. Whoa! Oh, you didn't seconds. notice that? I didn't notice that, now. Because they come to her in the basement or the attic, wherever it was they went, to confront the monster.
0: Not before she's threatened to kill her son and told him how much she hates him.
1: Getting back to the idea that, you know, she kind of blames her son, maybe, for the, the loss of her husband and the way her Yes, life is they
0: done. go down to the attic. Rather like that movie we watched about those uh, exorcists in 1970s America.
1: Oh, yes, Conjuring. God, this is like a,
0: a memory lane of all of the movies. It's, it's like a jive bunny of movies. This one isn't it, really? <laughs> but quite stylishly done. It's like a stylish jive bunny,
1: not by original artists. Yes. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they head down to the basement to meet meet this this antagonistic devilish kind of thingy person in a hat. And
1: he was saying, Rich? Well, it turns out that it's apparently her husband, in some form or other. I don't really understand the metaphysics of what's being portrayed here.
0: And how does she get them to go away? Is there some
1: sort she of position here? What's the no, Rumpel, she doesn't.
0: What is, the, is the Rumpelstiltskin point. bargain? What is the Rumpelstiltskin proposition here?
1: No, she, well, she keeps the thing in the basement and uh, they feed it somehow. They take stuff down to it every day. And, and And so the end of the movie is mother and son and they've come to terms with living with this thing. And I think... The son goes down with some... Samuel goes down with some stuff for the creature. Or does she go down? I can't remember. So I'm not interested by this point. But they go down to the basement and they leave it something to nourish it or whatever it needs to do.
0: So although it's a real monster, rather like his house, the conclusion is, accept your inner evil. Yeah. And you'll be okay, kind of thing.
1: They come to terms with it. They live with it. And for her, you know, it's like getting her husband back. I don't, I don't know what that means means, but exactly as you say, yeah, exactly getting her like husband back
0: house. who torments you and terrorizes you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, yeah. So, I mean, but she's really dragged through the mill on this one. You know, you, you get like, the one thing I think is good is you get to feel how low she feels at several Surely. points of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the yeah. better thing about the movie. And the choices for cinematography, you know, it's kind of washed out. And there's a kind of a drab, tired feeling about all of it. which doesn't make it enjoyable, but it makes it very effective, I think, you're communicating just how emotionally strung out and exhausted she
1: is. As a horror horror, I don't think much of it. As a horror that's the horror of being a single mum. Yes. Working a dead-end job. You know, pretty good. I'm not sure that it benefits from being tied up with the supernatural elements. No,
0: I I thought as a surrealist vignette on on on, on the kitchen sink, I thought it, it, that that would be in a good direction. But I thought mm. we said that about his house also, didn't we? You know, we didn't need the horror in that one either. Did we? No, we just exactly. The, yeah. the, the, the issues they were
1: tackling were more already horrific enough. Yeah, though. the
0: horrific, compromised lives they lived in. You know, on fifty pounds a week in that council estate would be enough, I think, wouldn't it? So yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, the demons were the least of it.
0: (laughs) Precisely. So I don't think we needed this demon metaphor to bring it all together. You know, in this case, or the other movie, *His House*.
1: Yeah. And at the very end, the light-hearted coda to all of this is little Samuel, who's a budding magician. He performs a little trick for his mum, doesn't he, out in the garden? Do you remember this? And I think he makes a dove appear or disappear. Wow. And the thing about that is, you know, how does a six, seven-year-old kid wind up having a dove in their magic trick without mum being totally aware that a dove is going to appear in the magic trick? you would have to keep a dove in a dove cage, wouldn't he? (laughs) True, but you've got a demon in your basement, haven't you? So, I mean, (laughs) you know, at this point. maybe Maybe you just go to the magic shop, buy a dove, use it, and then throw it away. Maybe you don't need to keep it. Is that how they work?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's possible also. Yeah, you want want your kid carrying doves around, giving giving them out to everybody? Did you ever do magic tricks as a kid? I think did you ever do did you ever do doves. Yes, to magic tricks. No to doves. And I I kind of regret not doing doves in 1991 whenever it was doing them or when it, whatever year it was.
1: So did you have one of those kits with little magic tricks in it?
0: I did. I think it was just a velvet black pouch. Right. Oh, and it was like a little wallet you could put cards in and it had an elastic band inside where you flipped it and it kind of came out the other side. It was actually wow. a little... I think I made it myself, actually.
1: Do you think you could do, perform the trick again now?
0: No. But these days I've learned how to do those ones where you put cards back on top.
1: Oh, really? Go on. Have you got a deck?
0: It's all about having two cards in there. Pulling two cards and pulling one card. And I can do that now. So
1: Right. Since wow. about the
0: age of 14... So the, the magic tricks I learned as a kid, which I think it was that one where you you know, you know push the coin through your fingers and keep it around the back of your hand and make it disappear. And then oh, yeah. put, it, put it into your other hand. I did those as kids. As a kid, sorry. Is it okay if I tell our, our esteemed audience ship your nickname at high school? <laughs> which one? You can cut it out if, if it's not okay. Tricky Ricky. That's fine. Yeah, but Tricky Ricky, I think related to your tendency to perform magic tricks whenever they weren't wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I could make coins disappear and reappear at will, couldn't I? I seem to
0: remember... Gosh, I mean, going back now, back to the days when we used to drink beer with our teachers. So I think we are in lower six and drinking beer with our teachers in a pub. Next to the school at lunchtime. How was that even possible? It was normal. It is relatively, it's a relatively normal thing to do, I think, even now, although everybody would be arrested these days for doing it. So we're having maybe three or four halves or a couple of pints at lunchtime with the teachers. And I think it was somebody's goodbye do or something, and you performed a ridiculously complicated magic trick via telephone. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that, remembering that? Was it a goodbye you, you party sketched or
1: something? an accurate picture. I think some of the details are incorrect. Yeah, ah. um, But what I did was I got to the audience, the people in the pub, to choose a card. Yes. I then took from the a pack. teacher from, the, from a deck, straight out of the box. You took I a took reliable a teacher, source, a trusted source teacher, yeah. yeah. I took a teacher, yeah, we could trust him, to a payphone. I phoned a friend of mine 20, 30 miles away in Manchester. Wow. In
0: Salford. Now, we knew that because of the number you rang.
1: Yep, they dialed they dial the number, uh, 161, blah, blah, blah. And I handed the phone to the teacher and my friend told him the card that they'd picked. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's huge. That's good magic. Yeah, yep. curtain, curtain fall. And that was actually at the end of A-levels. A- I think that was the oh, end of A-levels okay. Do in Pleasanton. He we went to a pub I in see. Pleasanton. I see.
0: So there you go. So you obviously were into magic.
1: A little bit, yeah. yeah. I was never, hopefully not quite as annoying as that kid, although arguably any kid doing magic is annoying. I'd, I'd buy that. What about kids doing
0: hypnotism, Richard? <laughs> this is a problem you do a podcast with somebody that you live some of your life with, isn't
1: it? Oh, well, the skeletons in the, in the closet.
0: Potentially,
1: I yeah. That's, that's no secret. People know that. No, no right? shame. No shame in that. No, there isn't, actually. No, it's
0: easy. I mean, hypnotism has been shown to, to sort of work, hasn't it, kind of thing?
1: Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm completely confused about hypnotism and its validity.
0: Okay, let's call this movie instead, then. Right, okay, so let's get on to
1: scores. <laughs> Where do you want to start? <sighs> Where do you want to start? Well, as
0: far away from this movie and heading in the opposite direction as possible. But Whoa, we can't do that. We we have to face this movie and look at it and square it square up to it and, 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 and give a fair but honest opinion about it. Let's start, shall we, with the scare factor. Jump jump scare factor. Was this a scary movie for you, Richard? Was it a movie tingling and fizzing with, with psychological tension even or?
1: You know that bit in Hereditary, to bring up another movie we've done, where the kid gets out of bed and in the half-light you can see that his mother is like in the eaves, like in the ceiling, in the corner, like a spider. Like a bat. Yeah. Yes. Do you not, not remember that? I do remember that, yeah. And it was the kind of moment that you wouldn't immediately see her, but as you saw her, you can imagine in a cinema, there would be a ripple of <gasps> going around the cinema. And that would be really atmospheric. And there was an attempt to do the same thing in The Babadook, where it was at night, and I think you you see a figure behind one of them at one point. That was the closest it came. And like you say, this is like uh, it's like a medley of different greatest hits, isn't it? Of different horror movies. And it didn't land for me. So the horror bits I did not find... Scary, and to the extent that it was horrory, it was all down to her predicament. Generally, sort of socially. I'm just trying to remember. Were there any memorable horror
0: moments when the Babadook jumps out of closets at the kid? Not really. No.
1: Nothing that stands out.
0: But no. So for jump scare, I'm going to have to score a, a desultory four. I'm afraid.
1: I think that's generous. Even. I'll give it a three. Oh gosh, heck.
0: Looks like we're uh, doing the downhill slalom today. Okay, moving on now to special effects. What do you think about the special effects, Richard?
1: If you thought anything it's all about them. Well, no huge complaints here. Mm -hmm. There's a sort of gory, I think it was a gory scene of the husband at the end, wasn't there? And the Babadook's pretty scary. You know, I'll give it a six, maybe a seven. Let's go seven. And the overall atmospherics, you know, the yeah. Writing, c- cinematography, let's include all of that stuff. Sure, you know,
0: I mean, uh, creepy crawly cockroaches out of a, out of a, out of a hole uh, in behind the fridge.
1: All CGI, you know. Some basement scenes,
0: <laughs> some Babadook appearing and then not appearing and then reappearing again, kind of stuff. You can't all train required.
1: cockroaches, they have to be CGI.
0: All required, all some, generated,
1: sort of,
0: yeah. some sort of special effectory. I'm going to give it a five, really. Although my memory is quickly fading about what was or what wasn't done.
1: This is the biggest problem with the movie. It's not very memorable, is it? What about
0: facting? What do you think about facting? Well,
1: there's two main acting jobs here, isn't there? There is the woman herself and her son, Samuel, doing a child actor role. Child actors, you know, have a difficult time. They're not very experienced. They can easily be annoying. Look, uh, let's just say... Did Did he score on that front or not? Well, it's unfair, isn't it, to, to, to criticise... castigate
0: a, a six-year-old, yes. Yeah, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's castigate
0: his parents for allowing him to do it then instead. But the mother,
1: you know, she did a reasonable job, didn't she? Yeah,
0: like you say, you know, there's potential... You know, I think the child was cast to be a whiny, annoying child. Yeah. And your child actors can be whiny, annoying, annoying, even when they're not playing whiny and annoying children. But here we had, I think, a child actor who probably was a bit whiny and annoying playing a whiny and annoying child. The mother was a whiny and annoying character. I don't think the actress was actor. And she was whiny and annoying for reasons we can be sympathetic to, but she was whiny and annoying also. So for me, it wasn't the acting. It was more the fact the characterisation. The yeah. They were all whiny and annoying.
1: <laughs> so, look, for acting, though, I will generously give them an eight.
0: I'm going to go seven and agree with you. And, and then, because of the characterization, let's
1: move on now to plotline and story story and writing yeah so there's two things going on as a horror movie that it purports itself to be a horror horror movie it's not doing very well but as a study about her issues her predicament a bit nicer and there are some good touches in that
0: Hmm. did you like the intermession synchronous synchronization between is this magic realism is this a repetition of what's going on in her brain or is it actually a real you know hyper real or did you enjoy that or do you thought it was labored?
1: I, yeah I would have liked that more if it resolved itself at the end as to be less outlandish and you know more ordinary. I think it it fell down on the we are keeping a monster side of the equation <laughs> too hard and i don't I just didn't buy it. I didn't earn that from me, I don't think
0: yeah I mean it was a, it was a one 0 home victory for there are monsters yes <laughs> and they are ill. In, in the in the battle between is this you know, a representation of uh, our idea of, of horror or is this actually really a...
1: And, you know, as you were saying, I, d- I don't understand the motivations of this. Is that a husband? And why is he scaring them anyway? And what's the point of it? How, how, he, how does he relate to that children's book? I don't understand. What's the mm. motivation? What are they trying to achieve with that? That stuff doesn't make sense. Unless
0: it's one very extended metaphor about how you can't let go Of childish things in the past until you conquer your monsters, can I think? Or come to terms with your monsters? It could be it's all one big, long, extended metaphor. I don't know if
1: it is. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And for that reason, I'm going to give this a five. I'm just going to go straight in the middle. I can see how you would get something out of this film but I can also see how you could be bitterly disappointed. by it. So yeah, the hyperreal
0: or the supernatural, whatever you want to call this, this the, the way the, the movie very quickly after about halfway through decided it it was definitely was all supernatural stuff that was happening. Uh, and then there's uh, for me it wasn't necessarily the plot line, it was the you know, the character arc. They just didn't go anywhere. They were they they came in and went out the same essentially. Whereas, you know, suddenly You've come to realise that there's something hyper real, something supernatural happening all around you. I didn't really get anything apart from the fact she was already having a nervous breakdown and she was continuing having some sort of, you know, nervous breakdown. And so it didn't really square what was happening and how seriously, and the, the way the focus was on her personal development and how seriously she either was or wasn't taking it. I did, I did it, it just didn't fit in. The jugs, jigsaw didn't. Didn't complete itself, so for this I'm going to give it a four.
1: And overall, then,
0: a four point five, because I can't really recommend you spend your time watching
1: this. I'm going to give it a six because, oh, simply because it is often cited as you know one of the important horror movies of recent years, and you know I think it I think it deserves credit for a low budget, for you know a female perspective, a female-led production. And there's not much wrong with it, except the many things we've mentioned. <laughs> I, I, I I can see why you think it's important. You know, it's you know,
0: it's the new kind of horror movie that's not really frightening, and it's shot in, in a way that you don't expect horror movies to be shot. I, it feels all a little bit IKEA, doesn't it? You know, it's it's like <laughs> if horror movies were an IKEA store, this is what they would be. So it's it's of an era, and I think somehow it's already. Feeling quite dated.
1: Mm, I'd say that's true. Yep. It was of an era,
0: you know. Hipsters were, you know, two thousand fourteen. The young people were all being hipsters. People were growing beards. were all drinking real ale again, and it was, you know, it was cool to be diverse, and it was cool to play acoustic guitar in some circles. And I, I there was an energy at the time, wasn't there, where, where lo-fi and MTV unplugged was somehow a new thing. <laughs> Just It was a rephrased MTV Unplugged, wasn't it, 20, 25 years on later. It's all looking a bit dated these days, I think. And so the, the, the flounciness of it was very locked in 2014, I think.
1: All right, so that's The Babadook.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I'm, I'm sorry we couldn't say anything nicer about it.
1: Well, it's out of the way now, Paul.
0: Thank God. That's the the <laughs> only question
1: is, are we going to watch the film that you were alluding to earlier, or are we going to choose a different one?
0: Well, which movie do you think I was alluding to? Let's see if you're right. Well,
1: we've talked about watching Let the Right One In. We have. The but Swedish. my question
0: is, are there any
1: other options you want to put on the table? Oh, yeah, there we? are other options. Oh, Alistair, who, by the way, really Hi, Alistair. liked... Uh, Alistair. really liked The Babadook. He said of it that he was genuinely shocked by it, and he found it very affecting indeed. That's because he has a
0: Liberal Arts degree. <laughs>
1: Alice suggested a film called Sorry, Yellow said, Brick Road. Whoa.
0: Well, I'd like to watch that, but can we put that on the back burner? Because I want to watch Let the Right One In. I'm, I'm gunning, I'm gung-ho for this one, Richard. Let the Right One In, then. And that it is. Join us next time
1: when we will be reviewing Let the Right One In. Is that right? That's correct. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you in the next one. Bye.